Hi, I'm Rebecca Pete, And I'm Rebecca Cochran. And, and welcome, welcome to Woven, where we strive to be Christians living in the world with intention. And our prayer is that, to paraphrase Mary Zimmer, the Christ who knew Mary and Martha would show us the way of balance. Thanks, Thanks for listening. Okay, everybody, welcome back. We are in the middle of our marriage series. We're calling it Yoked. Yes. yes. And Rebecca and her creativity and her, her four creativity and came up with that. eggs and puns. Yeah. <laughs> All of it <laughs> came up with our, with our title, Yoked. Uh, but we're in the middle of our marriage series, and this is episode 70, which I just, it hit me when I was driving over here. 70 is a lot of episodes. That's a lot of episodes. <laughs> our, lis- our listeners have been listening to us talk for a long time. Okay. Yes. So we're in the middle of the marriage series. We did an intro last week. And um, why we chose today's episode is going to make sense if you go back and listen to um, last week's episode. Our, um, one of the big tools that we talked about was the Enneagram. We talked about marriage tools that we wish we would have had when we got married <laughs> that we now have and we're very thankful for. And so we are so excited today to have Beth McCord on our podcast. Um, most of you probably know her as your Enneagram coach, and that's how you can find her on Instagram and all the places. But she is a Enneagram author and a speaker and a coach, um, and her community is definitely a place where you can go to learn um, more about the Enneagram, and she also helps to train other people to coach others in the Enneagram. So it's it's a great place to be and to find um all the help and what I love about it is um, her mission is to view the Enneagram through a biblical perspective and through a gospel perspective. And um, I think that's um, just a great place to land. So Beth, welcome so much. Will you give like a personal introduction, like where you live, yeah. family, all that kind of stuff? Yeah. Thanks guys for having me. Yeah. So again, I'm Beth McCord. I live outside of Nashville, Tennessee with my husband. We've been married 24 years. We have two kids, uh, Nate, uh, who is a six. Um, my husband's a six and my daughter is a type two. Um, and both my kids are in college. So I'm kind of an empty nester though. Libby still lives at home while going to the community college for free. So just to make everyone jealous out there right. in Tennessee, <laughs> in Tennessee, if they, if you graduate from a high school, you get to go to community college or a trade school for free. Oh. So she took, yeah. So she took that up and, um, you know, before she went on to whether four year or whatever God's calling her to do. So, um, but that allows her to stay home for another two years, which is really sweet. We get to kind of see her as she grows up even more. Um, yeah, and so I am passionate about the Enneagram, as you just said. I've um, been studying it since 2001, back before it was popular yeah. <laughs> in the Christian world. Um, and so what really happened is I was at the age, I was, let's see, 26. I had a one-year-old and a three-year-old and was about ready to pull my hair out, if anyone else can relate. Yeah, yes. Like, why do I keep struggling with this? Why do we keep struggling with this? What's going on? And we had some good friends who were seeing a counselor who were introduced to the Enneagram give us the same introduction. And so my husband flipped through the book that he was introduced to, um, but being in seminary, he had plenty of other things to do. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it was interesting, but I just dove right in and couldn't believe at the clarity that I was getting, especially being a type nine where we live in internal fog, it was like, finally, someone can put words to what I'm experiencing, um, which really then started to help my relationship with Jeff, where I was able to communicate a little bit more clearly mm-hmm. what was going on internally. And it was helpful for him to understand what in the world was going on with her at different times, instead of just trying to guess and assume incorrectly. Um, 
And so he, again, still didn't really get into it too much for a couple of years. But then once he started to dive in, it was really beneficial because he'd had that four-year seminary degree. And I was seeing so many correlations of how this could be really helpful for our personal growth with Christ and others. Um, but the language that I would hear um, from like different books and stuff out there just didn't match our worldview from a Christian perspective. And so I would just ask him, okay, so what about this? Like, how do we view this from a theological viewpoint? And then he would go, oh, well, da, 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 da. And so over the years, we would just build upon um, what we knew from scripture, what we knew from our theology, and just paired it with the Enneagram, making sure that if we're going to use this tool, that it aligns with the truth of the gospel first and foremost. Because if it doesn't, then we're just going to throw it out. Um, And so because the Enneagram is literally just a tool. It doesn't transform anyone. The gospel is the transformation. And that's the first and most important thing that we always lead with. So I I think most of our listeners, because we talk about the Enneagram um, probably more than... We're Christians in 2019. Like, what else do you talk about? (laughs) So we talk about a lot. And because we have a podcast where we talk a lot about um, how we view things um, from different perspectives because Rebecca and I have very different perspectives on things. So that's kind of the meat of our podcast. And so, of course, the Enneagram always comes in. It probably comes in a lot more than our listeners might want it to come in. Uh, but so I think most everybody knows about the Enneagram, but just in case somebody found our um, podcast for the first time today or found you for the first time today, can you give um, like a brief, like just a couple minute overview of the Enneagram, what it is? Um, you don't have to go through all the nine types if you don't want to, because we're going to go a little bit more into that just with um, marriage stuff in a second, but just a brief overview of where it came from and um, what kind of, what the system's about. Yeah, that'd be great. Um, so the Enneagram is, if we put it in its simplest term, it is literally your internal GPS. It is going to help you to know why, and that's the biggest word of the Enneagram, why you think, feel, and behave in particular ways so that you can understand when you're veering off course or you're actually heading on your best path. Um, and so you, your current location, like on our GPS, is your main type. Now, we use all nine types to varying degrees, but we have one type that reigns supreme. And that main type holds our core motivations. And the core motivations are your core fear, the thing you're always running away from or trying to prevent from happening, your core desire, what you're longing uh, to receive, to get, to obtain, the um, core weakness, which is also called the passion or the deadly sin. And this is like our Achilles heel, um, the thorn in our side, the thing that's constantly tripping us up um, that shows us we need Jesus every single day. And then the core longing is the message your heart longs to hear. And when someone's trying to find their main type or their current location, those are the four things that they really want to focus in on, on the main types, not the outward behaviors, because every type can have the same outward behaviors. It's what is happening on the inside. And on top of it, using it like a Um, internal GPS. We also want people to use it as a rumble strip. You know, like when you're driving down the highway and there's that rumble strip on the Uh, side of the road. I never knew what that was called. Thank you. Yes. Yes. I had to look it up one time because I had that epiphany like, oh, that's what the Enneagram is. So I had to look it up. But yeah, so that rumble strip on the highway that's so annoying at times, but it's so helpful, right? Because if you're a mom or 
you know, you're swatting at the kids in the back who are fighting or you're distracted or falling asleep at the wheel. You want that warning signal to wake you up. Well, it's the same with the Enneagram. We want to use the Enneagram to wake us up when we're veering off our best path. The reason is, is that sometimes we do things because we think it's like the right way, you know, or this is the only way to do it because that's the perspective our Enneagram type has. But when we're not at our healthiest and out of alignment or misaligned with the gospel, we'll start to veer off course, but sometimes not knowing. But if we have this rumble strip on the highway that wakes us up, it's like, oh, wait, I know that if I continue in this pattern and this path, I'm going to fall into the common pitfall time and time again. And so when people are looking at their Enneagram personality and they're seeing the not so great attributes, a lot of times what people do, they heap on shame and self-condemnation and fear, right? Like, oh, well, that's going to work. That's going to make it all the better. No, that doesn't. Um, but what we want them to realize is that in Christ, he has accomplished all things, right? Yeah. He is taking care of, he's reconciled us to him. So what we can do then is when we see the attributes of our personality that aren't so great, we can use that as the rumble strip, as the warning signal, not to bring more shame on us, but to have compassion and understanding and bring that to Christ and say, I'm sorry, I can see myself doing this again. Will you align my heart? Will you get me back on the right path? Um, because it is only through him and his work in and through us that we stay on our healthiest path, which is becoming more like him. So that's in a nutshell, which of course we could spend days on of this. Course. <laughs> <laughs> in a nutshell, what the Enneagram is. Yeah. So I like what you said earlier about it being a tool um, in transformation, but it isn't what causes transformation. And I think that there um, are a lot of Christians out there that um, are nervous about the Enneagram uh, because that <laughs> distinction hasn't been made. And also, I mean, one of the things that we like to do on our podcast and do a lot is talk about things that are uh, really popular culturally and see them from a biblical perspective. So what would you say to someone who is listening, um, who's a Christian and is like, I don't know about this. Like there's just they, like red flags that they have. Like, how do you um, address those red flags? Each Enneagram teacher, no matter whether they're teaching today, they taught 20 years ago, 40 years ago, 100 years ago, whatever, is that, yes, depending on their worldview, we should be concerned. But that's with anything, mm -hmm. right? Even Christian pastors and teachers, like, you want to know where they're coming from and is their theology correct? So it's not just... Enneagram. It's not just a Myers-Briggs teacher or whatever we're talking about. It is who are you learning from and where's their theology and their worldview. Um, and so that's why for Jeff and I, it was so important that we took the, the insights of what's true about our personality structure mm -hmm. and make sure that it is in line with theological truth, not is it in line with this teacher or that teacher. So we gleamed from some of their teachings in the sense of the, the bottom line truth, but not maybe the thought process, the worldviews, or the things that are inconsistent with Christianity. And so that's why we feel like our work is so important because all we're about is for people to understand themselves with astonishing clarity so that they can break free from self-condemnation, fear, and shame by knowing and experiencing the unconditional love, forgiveness, and freedom in Christ. So that's the mission behind your Enneagram coach. Um, and so um, we believe that if we bring this tool with the perspective of Christ is first and Christ reigns supreme, then 
we believe that this tool is going to bring radical transformation in people's lives. Not, well, it doesn't bring, it brings radical insights to help us open ourselves to the Holy Spirit in ways that we never thought. Because sometimes we're doing stuff that isn't healthy or good, but our personality is like, oh no, that's the best way to do it, you know? And then we, and then people are like, let's say, um, reflecting back to us, like, that's not really great. That hurts. But we're like, what? That's the way you're supposed to do it. You know, (laughs) now, now we can go, oh, I can see how that's actually not helpful for you or me. I need to come back to Christ. I need to surrender and depend on him to change that perspective, to help me to not do that anymore. And so that's what the Enneagram is doing. So think about the Enneagram also being a flashlight. It is literally illuminating your heart's condition, which is what Christ cares about, right? He's not caring about your outward manifestations, your outward behaviors. He cares what's on the inside. And that's what the Enneagram is pointing to. Are you aligned, misaligned, or out of alignment with the gospel? So that's kind of how we address um, kind of different teachers and all that stuff is let's just focus in on what and how we can use the Enneagram from a theological correct perspective. Yeah. So, how long have you guys been, how long have you been doing your Enneagram coach? How long have you been teaching on this? Yeah. So, um, so again, I, uh, was introduced in 2001 and I would say I was already working cause we were in ministry even at the time. So we were working with college kids. So even back then I was already mentoring and doing lots of stuff, coaching, so to speak. Um, but probably in the middle 2000s, like 2000 four or five is when I really started to use it with other people, women, young moms. um, And then we started using it with couples. And that's when we saw major transformation happen, not just in one person and not just two people, but their whole family and their communities. So that became really fun. And it just kind of trickled into us wanting to do it more and more. But as a good old nine, I kind of hid behind the scenes and... (laughs) kind of like I did those things with like these close people, but it's not like everyone knew, you know, or if people knew and they were like, Hey, you know, you guys should teach on this. I was like, Oh, Jeff, they'll just want to hear from you. You're the pastor. Mm -hmm. So it was almost like I was like the wizard of Oz behind the scenes, like pulling all the lovers, like here, Jeff, say this, do that. Um, Until God woke me up in 2015 with, and this, this is just a nine thing, but I had to have my quote unquote anger moments where I was really overlooked and it just hit like the last straw, broke the last straw. And I was really angry about it. And God just said, why are you so angry? And I'm like, are you serious? <laughs> like, <laughs> did you not just see what happened? Um, but he was very gentle and kind and patient and just said, again, no, really, why are you angry? And it was clear as day that I'm angry at myself because I overlook myself. And by overlooking myself, it I, what you permit, you promote. And so I was permitting others and promoting others to do the same. Um, and so that was my wake up call. So since then, that's when I started your Enneagram coach and just really could see how God had all those years trained me and um, shaped me into what we are offering today. That's great. So that that's where the, so Beth has a new book coming out October 1st, correct? You and your husband yes. have one coming out. Um, and it's called Becoming Us, and it's on the Enneagram and Marriage. And so why why now with that book? Is it because you, yeah. it's just a, a wrap of all of the teachings that you guys have been doing? Or is it this a, a moment for a reason? Yeah, I, I think all of that. But when we were thinking about writing a book, um, 
we were, you know, the first natural place you would start is like a primer. Um, but there were so many good primers out there. The reason why we wrote Becoming Us um, at that specific time or why we chose to do a marriage course is because we saw that there was a gap in that specific area um, for the Enneagram. And we knew that we were going to put kind of a primer inside it because anyone could pick up that book and need to learn about the Enneagram. So not only is Becoming Us a primer in the sense that it's going to help you to understand the Enneagram in a very easy to understand format, but it's going to take you much further. We talk about our own story to give you kind of a perspective of what it looks like to struggle and to grow. We also dive deep into communication, conflict, um, your family of origin, and becoming your best selves together. And um, the whole point is to give you tools and resources to look at each of these components in your marriage for your own personality style um, and your spouses and how to use those together to edify, to enhance, to encourage one another to becoming your best selves together, um, to glorify God, to honor Him in ways that are not just beneficial for you, but the whole community um, around you. So that is kind of why we chose a marriage book in particular. Yeah. So why does the Enneagram matter so much in marriage? Like, why do, why do our types matter so much? Because I don't really feel like my Myers-Briggs matters that much in my marriage. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Well, because um, the Myers-Briggs, though, it is really helpful. Yeah. Um, it is showing you what you do on the outside or your preferences. Um, the Enneagram is, again, showing you why you do what you do. So it's an internal work. And that really helps our spouses, our kids, our coworkers, you name it. Because this book can really be for any relationship, um, especially with the reference section in the back. But it gives everyone a heads up of why you do what you do. Because everyone thinks that we all see the world and interpret it the same way, right? So pretend like we all have sunglasses on and that's how we see the world. We all think we all have the same shade of color on. Like, let's say, oh, we all have blue. And uh, my husband did this, which is totally different than what I would do. So now I'm upset that he did that because that must mean he's trying to hurt me, blah, blah, blah. And um, when it's not true. So it's like I'm wearing blue and Jeff's wearing green or red or whatever colors. There's nine colors. And it's like, oh, now I see. Now I understand that we see it literally from totally different perspectives. And that's why we're coming at it um, from different angles, views, um, intensities, um, all of those things are so important because then we can have understanding, compassion, mercy, grace, and hopefully forgiveness as we move closer towards one another and as we're moving closer to God. Yeah. So my husband and I have been married just over 18 years and, um, I, we found the Enneagram like two years ago and I'm like, Oh, I so wish I would have had um, the Enneagram when we got married. Um, luckily, our church, um, it's a part of our premarital mentoring ministry. You do the Enneagram. So um, I'm very grateful for that, um, for all the young couples in our church that don't have to go with, without it, because um, everybody knows I'm a three, my husband's an eight. And um, you talk about in the book, you use the term a suicide. And I feel like that is what um, causes most of our fights and probably causes most of people's fights. But I definitely have this because he's an eight. So he said, things like it is and he's um you know aggressive and all those things I automatically in my mind is he doesn't care about me 
he um he only he's he's doing this because he wants to punish me or whatever it is you know or he doesn't he doesn't appreciate me or whatever because he's telling me um things in a very forward way and um for the longest time i had very um wrong assumptions we talked about this last week of um it just i always just assumed the worst like he's always doing this because he doesn't care or whatever or he's punishing me and um when i woke up to the fact of this is how he communicates and this, mm-hmm. it is an ill intent. Um, it has helped a lot. Now, it doesn't mean we don't still fight, but it has caused me to filter some things better, for sure. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So, um, so a suicide, what do you mean by that? Yes. Yeah. So, I love that. A suicide is simply that we are assuming incorrectly people's thoughts, motives, actions, based on how we see the world, you know, it's like I was just saying earlier. And so we assume incorrectly. So for you as a type three, you think that your husband should speak the way a type three would speak. Um, and he doesn't. So therefore, he must be trying to hurt you, right? That's what you were kind of saying. Because if you were to say the things that he's saying, and the way he's saying it, it would mean you're upset, you're trying to hurt all those kinds of things. So of course, you would assume that that's what he's trying to do, unless you understand that he's coming from a totally different perspective. In fact, type eights, he is actually not all the time. So if he's listening to this, I'm not giving him, you know, a pass, (laughs) not giving him a pass, but eights fear being betrayed, harmed, controlled, blindsided, manipulated. And so that's why they speak so bluntly, because I don't want to be blindsided. I don't want you to manipulate me. And so I want he, they want people to be straightforward with them so they know where they're coming from. And so that's what they deliver to another person because they actually think that's being loving. And you're like, wait, what? That is so, you know, from your perspective, you're like, that is so not loving. Like, why can't you see it with softness and tact and whatever? Um, but there's a reason behind it. Now, that doesn't mean, you know, AIDS can just go do whatever you want and say it however you want. No, I mean, they can still be straightforward and blunt with tenderness and understanding and compassion, but it's still eight-ish. Um, <laughs> as a nine, I'm the complete opposite and I want to be super kind and soft and loving and receptive to all people and make them feel great all the time. But guess what? People like an eight can wonder, well, what is she, like, is she being truthful, honest, authentic? Like, where's she coming from? I don't understand. So I have to learn when I'm with eights to be more blunt and authentic yes. and say it like it is in the way that a nine would, right? Cause I'm never going to be, be an eight, but that's how I can show an eight love by seeing why being super kind and nice and accommodating can make them feel like, are you manipulating? Where are you yes. coming from? Is this true? And so now I'm like, Oh, okay, well, they just want me to just say it like it is and it can land on them well. It's not going to harm them or hurt them. And so it's like freeing to understand another person's perspective and how they operate so that we can move towards them with with actually genuine love the way that they would receive it. Yeah, Yeah. I love that you said that, like, that's how you show them love. Because that's ultimately, we're not saying, or like, you're not saying to, to change to like accommodate the other person or to change to like make them more. It's like you're doing it out of a place of love so that they feel loved in the way they receive it. Yeah. Which is so yeah. different I mean, than I think how people think about the, the five love languages, right? Yeah. Um, so I, my top, well, actually I have three top ones, um, but like, <laughs> <laughs> they're like equal, um, but like words of affirmation, quality time and acts of service. Mm-hmm. Well, my husband's top one is top. And, 
And my last two, I mean, it's like this this huge gap of touch and gifts, especially gifts. And (laughs) so if I were to, if, so if someone were to come to me or, and my husband knows this, and this will sound really weird to a lot of the women out there, maybe even the men, who knows, um, that I don't really care about getting flowers. Like, in fact, my practical mind is like, okay, those are going to die in like two days and you just spent $20. Like we could go out to dinner, like quality time, you know, and all the things. So, um, so he now knows like, okay, instead of getting me flowers, like take me out for a dinner, you know, but that would feel weird. So a person who's a gifts person is trying to show me love through gifts. And though that's sweet and kind and everything, it just doesn't land on me the way that they're hoping. And so a person who wants to show me love, who's a gift person, they would actually need to learn how to be more affirming or acts of service or quality time. And then that would land on my heart right now. That doesn't mean I'm right, they're wrong and vice versa. It's just we're different. And so that's the same with the Enneagram. We don't want you to change your type. We want you to see through your spouse, your coworker, your kids perspective in life and move towards them in a way that they can understand. Like, so basically you're speaking their mother tongue, their dialect Mm -hmm. so that they can actually hear your heart for them. Yeah. Yeah. So that kind of like leads into, so we talk about health and unhealth and, and not changing our numbers. We just want to become a more healthy version of who we were created to be. So you, you in the book and I, and in other places, you talk about the levels of the alignment with the gospel. Can you talk about that a little bit more, what that looks like? Yeah. Yeah, so in the 1970s, Don Richard Riso, who's one of um, kind of the forefront runner teachers, he's since passed away, but um, he developed the levels of uh, development or kind of levels of health, um, healthy, average, unhealthy, which is so great and so um, informative because anyone that's healthy looks in their personality, looks radically different than someone who's unhealthy. We'll take the type eights as an example, because I think it's pretty easy to see the differences. <laughs> and they also don't uh, care if you talk about them. So it's fine. Yeah, they're, they're just, they're, they're so strong. Um, <laughs> but the, the type eights, I call them snowplows. And, and this isn't like a little Ford truck with a little shovel on the front. This is the, the major diesels that you see in the Midwest yeah. or the North. And they plow a path for us that no one could like, like we need them. We need their power, their strength, their tenacity. But if they start, and that's a healthy thing, plowing a path for us, right? But that's if we're behind them. But if we're on the side of the road or in front of them, yeah, it's going to hurt, right? (laughs) Destruction. Um, And so when an eight is at their healthiest, someone like that we believe can't type other people, but we assume Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. could possibly be a type eight. And if so, he would represent a very healthy eight who plowed a path for the civil rights movement. There's lots of people who worked alongside him and with him, but he took the the brunt force, right? He was the front runner. Beautiful example of plowing a path. But when uh, eight is unhealthy, which we assume, again, we don't know, maybe like Saddam Hussein. Yeah. not healthy. <laughs> and they literally plow over people and kill people and destroy people. So there's a huge difference between when someone is healthy all the way to when they're the most unhealthy. And that's very important because I think a lot of people will like types or not like types kind of based on who they're experiencing on each of the types based on when that person or where they are in the levels of alignment or development. So we use the terms levels of alignment with the gospel because when we are aligned with the truth of the gospel, we know, believe, and trust in who we are in Christ. And therefore, we're living as his beloved. We're living that out. It doesn't mean we've done anything. It means actually that we've surrendered and trusted and depended 
on who we are in Christ. And then the Holy Spirit works in us and brings us up into these levels of health, which really blesses others and ourselves. And we have a deep connection with Christ. But the more our our mind wanders from this truth, now our relationship status with Christ stays the same. That doesn't change. But when we start to wander in this truth, thinking, oh, I guess I got to do this on my own, or I'm all alone, that's when we, we become further away from that level, we become misaligned or completely out of alignment with the truth of the gospel, which is where we get down to the average, the unhealthy parts of our personality style. We were talking just before we um, called you, um, we, we were talking about numbers that we feel like we get along with and don't get along with. Yeah, I'm a four, and literally everybody I've ever had, you know, sometimes you meet people and you're like, we're just not going to work, and I don't know why, and I can't, it's always been eights, and I didn't know until I started learning about the Enneagram, and then I would kind of like in retrospect, like someone would, one of those people would post on social media like an eight meme, and I'd be like, you're an eight, like that's what it is, but um, <laughs> so I guess that perhaps they were not their healthiest and I certainly wasn't. So that's probably part of it, but it, it's just funny. Like we were going to ask you, um, about just like, in, I mean, I guess like every relationship is, can work if you're both healthy, right? Yeah, Would you yeah, absolutely. So? Absolutely. Yeah. Because one, it's going to depend on our levels of health, right. And, and how aligned are we with the truth of gospel? Because I'm a sensitive person too, is being an eye. I'm like, I just want everyone happy, you know, and I don't want there to yeah. be conflict or, um, and so if someone were to come to me very bluntly, let's say, um, like, so I can be around an eight who's very healthy, but they're still going to be blunt and straightforward. Now that doesn't, they're going to be more tactful in it, more sensitive and compassion, but they're still an eight. They're still going to say it like it is. Um, and the more unhealthy I am, um, the more, no matter how healthy they are, it's still going to land on me wrong. Yeah. I'm still going to be hurt because I'm not doing well. I'm too, I'm carrying so much about what other people think and how they treat me as if that determines my worth and value. Right? right. And so I'm basing it off of people, not my identity in Christ, but the healthier I get, the more it's not like, it's not like I'm like, I don't care what you do or I don't care how you think it's no, I care so much about what Christ thinks, how you're treating me is just a part of what's going on, you know, and it doesn't have to affect me the way that either you want it to, or the way my, the less healthy parts of my personality thinks it should, I can cling to the truth of the gospel and who I am in him, even if you like me or don't like me. And that, so it really matters more the levels of health that we are at mm -hmm. versus the levels of, of health the other person is at. Yeah, for sure. And I will say, so, um, and we're not going to go into depth on this, but like threes, sevens, and eights, because um, I don't want to completely dump on eights. I feel like we're kind of dumping on eights. Um, <laughs> yeah, I love eights. And actually, I have a very strong eight wing. So I have a very understanding of eights and their yeah. passion and their intensity. So, yeah. Yes. Um, but so three sevens and eights are like the, are the considered the aggressive numbers. And so, mm -hmm. I, and what's interesting is most of my closest friends are sevens and eights and I'm married to an eight. So like I, I get eights. It's just obviously three sevens and eights um, are aggressive in different ways. Um, but I, I really like the alignment, misalignment with the gospel. Um, it, it really helped me, um, Healthy and unhealthy, obviously, that all makes sense, too. But um, we, we talk about this a lot on the podcast about, like, flourishing and languishing and what that looks like. And each one of the numbers have, you know, um, a flourishing and a languishing. And um, for me as a three, so threes, you know, big fear or their big um, 
message that they hear is that they're not worthy and they're not valuable. And so everything that I do, all of my motivation, everything that I do is to prove that I am worthy, that I am valuable, that I'm efficient, that I'm responsible, you know, all of the things I'm successful. Mm-hmm. Like, yes. and so that I want to hear and see and prove that I am that. And so in my unhealth, obviously that goes, um, in very bad directions. Um, but when I'm healthy or I'm aligned with the gospel, then I see my worth in Christ. But the, yes. the moment, I mean, and this is a daily struggle, right? The moment I don't see that worth anymore, or I don't feel that worth anymore, or I'm not focused on that worth anymore, it, it goes real south real fast. Mm-hmm. And yes, so I, I think that's a great way to gauge. And every number has their, you know, their messages. And we're going to talk about that in a second. But um, for me as a three, I... I just have to always go back like where, and and Rebecca will have to remind me like, (laughs) you know, Mm -hmm. you know, what, what what are you striving for? Like is is the striving because um, of the gospel and the striving because this is what God's calling you to, or are you trying to prove that you're X, Y, and Z? So um, I I think every number we're, we're like, we're crapping on eights, but I mean, I think every number can see that through that filter and it's super helpful. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's what you'll see like in the book, um, in the work that I do. So the core motivations that we talked about, the core fear, desire, weakness, and longing are so key. Um, and will show so much of what's going on in your heart and why you react the way you react, whether positive or negative. Um, but the, the biggest thing that you'll see in the book, especially in the backside of the book, where it's kind of a reference section, a, a roadmap for each of the types, is how Christ satisfies your core longing. Mm-hmm. So we all have a core longing, a message our heart longed to hear starting as a child all the way to today. And when we don't hear that message, that's what you were just saying, we will demand it from others, we'll start to criticize or judge others, and then we end up punishing them to get them to give us that message. But here's the thing, they can never give it to us at the level that we absolutely need it. Only the spring of living water, which is Christ, can fulfill and satisfy that core longing. And he does in the unique way that we need it, each of us, all nine of us, all nine types. And so in that book, we'll show you exactly how Christ satisfies that and what that means to you to surrender and depend. And then you will be at that place where you're aligned with the truth of the gospel and you're living as his beloved because you know it. Yeah. Yeah. Can we get into, I, we've talked about threes and eights, just in case like everybody's not (laughs) under your name. Can we just briefly talk about the other, (laughs) like, just like the core Maybe we could just do like key motivation and fear, like just a couple bullet points on each number. So yeah, that'd be awesome. Go for it. Yeah. Whatever number you'd like to start with. (laughs) Yeah, sure. Absolutely. Yeah. It's really helpful to, um, just to kind of see how each of the types or why I should say why they do what they do. So I'll go real briefly. I won't go over, I'll just go over the core fears and the desires because, well, okay. And the, I won't go over the core weakness, not because it's not important, actually, it's very important, but because it just takes so much more time and we would probably be here for a little bit. Um, so the core or the type one is the moral perfectionist and they fear being bad, evil, inappropriate, corruptible, wrong. They desire to be good, to have integrity, to be balanced, accurate, virtuous, and right. So it's very um, ethics, moral based procedures, uh, what is right and wrong, black and white. Um, and they long to hear you are good. And when you hear the core longing, just remember Christ answers that for them. So Christ, it's not that they are good. It's that Christ was perfect on their behalf. And when they become a Christian, they're no longer, 
um, a sinner in God's eyes because Christ took away the sins and put on them his righteousness. So God sees on them Christ's righteousness. Therefore, they are good because of Christ. The type two is a supportive advice. I'm sorry. So the childhood message for the one is like you're bad. We had talked about childhood messages and marriage. So I just wanted to, or like the mess, what was that? Like the message you heard as a kid? Yeah. Is that your... Is that what you yeah. mean when you say the what they desire to hear? Uh, well, that's actually the core longing. Okay. So the mess, yeah, yeah. So the core longing is what I was really kind of referring to. Okay, gotcha. um, we'll talk about yeah. childhood messaging in a second. We'll come back to that in a second. Okay, keep yeah. going. That's a whole nother. That's a whole nother part, um, <laughs> which is important. But um, okay, so the type two is a supportive advisor, and they if you're being rejected, unwanted, uh, dispensable. Uh, un, you know, worthless, needy, inconsequential, and definitely not being loved. And they desire to be appreciated, loved, and wanted. And what they long to hear is you're wanted and loved. But they think that they have to do and serve um, in order to get that love. It's, it's very um, conditional. But Christ is like, no, it's not conditional. In fact, I loved you no matter what you did. It's, it's I pursued you. I came for you. And in fact, you did everything kind of against me, but I came because I wanted you and I appreciate you and I love you because I created you. And so that really frees the two's heart. Type three is that they fear being exposed, thought incompetent, inefficient, worthless, um, not being successful. They fear failure, um, not being respected. Um, So what they desire is to be admired, respected, and to have success and value. Now, they long to hear you are loved for simply being you. But they think that it is all based on accomplishments and achievements. So think of a place kicker, you're as good as your last kick. For them, they think you're as good as your last success or your last achievement. But Christ is like, no, it's actually my achievements that I have done for you. And that is where your um, identity and rest come from. And so he loves you and gives you his accomplishments, his perfect accomplishments because of the value he has for you. The type four is the romantic individualist and they fear being inadequate, emotionally cut off, plain mundane, defective, and flawed. Um, What they want and desire is to be unique, special, and authentic, to be absolutely true to themselves. But they long to hear the message, you are seen um, and wait, you're, sorry, you are seen and loved for exactly who you are, special and unique. And I mean, Christ literally designed them. He created them. He knit them together in their mother's womb to be who he created them to be. And he delights in his creation. He doesn't create wrong things. And so not only does he see them, he understands them fully. Um, and loves them for exactly who they are and created them in this beautiful, unique way. Um, Type fives are the investigative thinker. They fear being annihilated, invaded, not existing, to being capable, ignorant, and having obligations placed on them, which creates this feeling of catastrophic depletion. What they desire is to be capable, knowledgeable, and insightful. But they long to hear your needs are not a problem because for them, their needs are like these huge, massive boulders that why would I ask anyone else to take this? I can barely do it. So they minimize their needs and kind of hoard their inner resources because they do fear that catastrophic depletion. But Christ will replenish them fully and loves and delights in taking care of them because he's the God of the universe. This isn't hard for him. And he delights in providing for them. The type sixes are the loyal guardians and they fear fear itself, being without guidance, support, security. They fear being targeted, alone, and abandoned. 
uh, what they desire is security, guidance, and support. And they all, I'm sorry, that's their desire. Their longing, the core longing, is to hear you are safe and secure. And it's understandable. We live in a chaotic and confusing world. But what Christ does is he says, I'm God Almighty. And you can come be under me, my, my shield, my cleft, my rock. I will protect you. Now, the type sevens is the entertaining optimist. And they fear being trapped in emotional pain, deprived, bored, limited, and definitely missing out on anything fun. They long, or I'm sorry, they desire to be happy, satisfied, and fully content. And so what they long to hear is you will be taken care of, but they kind of have this like feeling inside this insatiable desire to fill themselves up as if whatever they put inside, it just goes away really quickly. And so they keep trying to fill and fill and fill and they think no one else is helping them. But Christ says, I am the spring of living water. If you truly come to me and rest and savor, I will fill you up and you will be taken care of. And then the type eights is the protective challenger. They fear being weak, powerless, harmed, controlled, vulnerable, manipulated, and definitely left to the um, mercy of injustice. Now, they want to protect themselves and those in their inner circle, which is pretty small. What they, des- or what they long for is to hear, you will not be betrayed. And here's the beautiful thing, is that Christ was betrayed on their behalf. He understands the, the desire, the longing to not be betrayed. And so he says to them, you will not be betrayed by me, and I've got you. The type nine is a peaceful mediator, and they fear being in conflict, tension, uh, any kind of discord, being shut out, overlooked, and any kind of inharmonious relationship. They desire to have integrity and peace of mind, um, inner stability, just, just the serene internal world and external world, right? Harmony. What we long to hear, though, is your presence uh, matters. We think that a presence really doesn't matter, and therefore we should go along to get along and make everyone else happy. But Christ literally says that our presence matters because he came off of his throne to pursue us, to live a very hard life, to die, and to rise again, to bring us back into presence with him because we matter. And so those are all the nine types and how Christ satisfies them. I was just going to say, so for me, when I first learned about the Enneagram, I took a test because that's what everybody does, right? And everybody loves a quiz, especially women, right? We like, we like, what friend's character are you? Or what yeah, Jane Austen yeah. character are you, right? So we're like, oh, a quiz. And so, of course, I initially took the quiz and it was based on my behaviors. And so I got type one, but that's what I typed as. And then when I started studying it, what you just went through, when I started looking at all like the, the core desires and the core longings, mostly some, some, a little bit sins, but mostly the core longings and the core weaknesses, the one, uh, when it, we got to, we got to three, I just lost it. Like when mm-hmm. I, I heard it, three taught and I, that never happened to me when I was studying the one, I'm like, oh yeah, the one's behaviors. I am, you know, very, I'm very, have very perfectionist tendencies and I'm very black and white and linear. Like that makes sense. And I have procedures, but like when it got down to why I've had those procedures and why I want yeah. things to be perfect, the motivation behind those things is yeah. success and efficiency yeah. and being seen as um, worthy of respect versus, mm-hmm. you know, one's reason for their perfectionist tendencies is totally different. Yes. As, yeah. to, it to is. Silent the inner and of course, what I was able to go through is like, not even the, almost the surface, you know, it's like even, it's just like this little, you know, small amount that we were able to go through, especially the core weakness, which we didn't have 
the time to really go through, I would encourage people to get the book and to look at the core weakness um, because that is really where so much hinges on the Achilles heel, what trips us up time and time again. So you're absolutely right. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about childhood messages, just because I feel like that that's where I want to focus a little bit, because I think that's really important in our marriages, our family of origin, <laughs> yes. is such a huge part in our marriages. So what do you mean by a childhood message? How is that different than your longings and your desires? So the child um, messages are messages that are hardwired into us. So myself and I would say most teachers believe that we're born our type. But then, of course, on this side of the fall, not only do we have, you know, really good hardwiring of strengths that we can bless others with and how we reflect God, but we also have a fallen part, right? Mm-hmm. And so these messages from that we call childhood messages are either messages that were directly um, told to us, but oftentimes they're actually what we interpret people are saying or assume that they are saying by their words or their reactions Um, And so they're really harmful and painful to us, even as a little kid, but then it carries on into our adult life. And we live as if they're true, and we react to life and to people as if it's true. And that can just create a lot of harm when, in fact, it's not true. Um, But it really feels true. (laughs) Like when these things come, you know, with inside you, it's like, no, but that is true. And it's like, no, it's not. But, and that's where the truth of the gospel needs it we need to have that heal us from what these messages are trying to get us to believe would you like me to share with you all nine types yes yeah start with four and there. just kidding <laughs> yeah <laughs> i can if you want no, no, no. start with one that's okay. <laughs> um okay so and there's woundy messages um that people are intending to harm there are injury messages where people didn't intend at all to harm and then um we call it the influencing messages where people are really trying their best to bring truth but it still might land on us incorrectly depending on our levels of alignment inside us and how we are bringing the truth of the gospel so uh type one's the message that runs in their minds this is like a record player okay um it is not okay to be wrong or to make mistakes Type twos, their message is it's not okay to have your need your have your own needs. Um, and then type three is it's not okay to have um, your own feelings or identity. Type fours, it's not okay to have. I'm sorry, it's not okay to be too much or not enough. Type fives, it's not okay to be comfortable in the world. Type sixes, it's not okay to trust or depend on yourself. Sevens, it's not okay to depend on others for anything. Type eights, it's not okay to trust or be vulnerable with anyone. And type nines, it's not okay to assert yourself or to think much of yourself. Mm. Did those seem true for you guys? Oh, yeah. for sure. Yeah. It's interesting. I was thinking about it when I was um, reading through the the childhood messages part. Like my, my parents, I mean, my parents were not together and there's lots of issues, but they were pretty good parents. But I can remember always thinking, my parents don't think I'm good enough. But I don't think they ever said that. Like, so exactly. I, I, yeah. I, 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 I always felt like I got the message of, 
you're super successful and you could be even more successful. Like you're, you have a lot of potential and you need to rise to more potential. I don't think they actually ever said that. There were some things like you were talking about the different types of messaging. Like I definitely got the influencing message because this is what you do with kids of high potential and kids that can succeed. You, you, you give them very high expectations. And you know, I, I, I can remember my parents say, you could be the first woman president if you want to. And of course my child, the messaging that I hear is I have got to achieve that. And if I don't achieve X, whatever X was, then I'm not good enough. And, um, and so, um, or I'm not worthy or valuable or whatever. And so it's interesting that you say that because I think we think childhood messages and we think, Mm -hmm. we think somebody said this to me and they might have, you might have a traumatic childhood and have bad parents and they did say those things to you and you received that. But a lot of it is that's how you filter what people say to you. Um, I think that's very interesting. Yeah. It helps me. Yeah, because, oh, go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, if, if my parents were to have said, you know, you could be the first woman president, actually, that would have been very affirming to a nine. Like, like my presence matters that much. Like, I could assert myself in that way, you know. Yes. So it's interesting how the same message filters through our hard wiring in a way. And so kids, of course, they don't know this. And they're just, you know, they're trying to get through life in their own way. But that's where, as an adult, we can kind of catch it like a rumble strip and go, wait a second. Did they mean, you know, it yes. this way or, you know. And that's where we can really use the Enneagram in, in very helpful ways. I'm sorry. What were we going to say, Rebecca? Well, it helped me. That helps me with my husband and myself. So my childhood message was like, stop crying, stop being dramatic. Like, that's what I, and like, I heard that. And I mean, so now even as an adult, I really struggle with like, oh, I'm so sensitive. I'm so dramatic. And I just am. And it just is, I mean, like, I can't help it. But yeah. like me fighting that all the time is like completely exhausting. Right. And then, but with my well, husband, oh, go ahead. Well, I was going to say, and, but here's the thing that's so great about the Enneagram is on one side, that is beautiful. Like we need force to be sensitive and to have all the emotions and all the things at the same time, we need it balanced. And that's the high or healthy side or the aligned side of the four is we don't want to get rid of that. We want it to come into balance so we can actually experience it in all its fullness. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah. Well then with my husband, it's funny, like early in our marriage, we've only been married like seven years, but earlier in our marriage, I remember like anytime I would have an issue, cause he's a one and he would, mm-hmm. if I said like, Hey, you know, you're doing this thing. Could you not, he would take it as like, Oh, I'm, I'm bad. I'm messing up. It was always like I'm messing up. And it got so tense with us for a long time because it was like, I felt like I was walking on eggshells. Like I couldn't say anything that wasn't like high praise. And I was kind of like, what's your deal. And then finally with the Enneagram, I was like, Oh, like, you're already doing that in your head. Like you already think you're screwing up. So then you think I'm like affirming that you're screwing up, but I'm not. Yeah. So it's, it, yes. that was, yeah, we yeah. had to work through that. It's interesting. Yeah. A lot of this plays into your parenting too, right? And obviously you're not supposed to type your children, but I, and sometimes you can start to see tendencies, right? And my 10 year old, almost 10 year old, I'm a hundred, I'm 98% sure she's a one. Like, um, I, I'm, I would never tell her that I want her to figure out that on her own, but she doesn't listen to the podcast. So she's not going to hear me say this, but like, I, I can, I will tell her something she's the oldest girl. So I probably put more expectations on her than I should, but I will tell her something and she immediately, anything critical I say, Mm -hmm. anytime I say, well, maybe you should do it like this instead. Even if I come with the most kindest of intentions, she immediately says, you think I'm bad. You Mm. think I'm wrong. 
Yeah. You think I'm, I can't do anything right. That, that's like her favorite phrase. When yeah. I'm just like, no, I'm just trying to help you. Like if she brings a test home and she gets a question wrong, I just want to make sure she understands. And can we talk about it so you can do it right the next time? She immediately thinks, you think I'm bad at math or whatever it is, as an example. And it's amazing because that is not the words that I said. And it's not even the heartbeat behind what I said. But that's immediately, yes. that's how she filters that is you yeah. think I'm bad. And yeah. um, it's it, it, and it's, even though you're right, cool. we can't type our kids and yeah. we need to let them figure that out. But you can still use the Enneagram as kind of a, you know, a way to get to know your kids better where you could say things like, hey, do you do you feel this or it, like, like, so you assume she might be a one like, hey, do you do you fear that I think or others think yes. or you, know, you can investigate and ask questions yeah. now. Like I did that with my son because I, I, you know, of course, using it since they were one and three, I was like desperate to figure out their type, you know, right? Like, just tell me, you know? Um, and so with him, I was like, maybe he's a one, two or six. Those seem like the most likely. So then I would ask him, okay, did you help that kid because it's the right thing to do, the helpful thing to do or the loyal, committed thing to do? And he was like, yeah. And I'm like, oh my gosh, you're not helping me. <laughs> yeah. Like you're not narrowing it down. And I just felt like that was God's sense of humor of like, trust me, you know, yeah, like, yeah. but, but, but it is good for us to be inquisitive and curious about our kids. Yes. And how can we, how can, how can mom say that? Here's my heart. And here's what my heart intention was. Yes. I am for you. I think you're good. I just wanted to yes. come alongside you and support you. And they may not know depending on the age. Right. But, could you let mom know when you know, what are some ways that I can do to come alongside and help you when you have that understanding? Because I really do, you know, and, and that can be really helpful because you're curious, you want to know them, they'll feel loved and cherished, and hopefully they'll be able to say more. But the biggest thing that we can do, and I know we're getting off topic because now we're in parenting, but the biggest thing we can do is model for them our internal world. And how things landed on us and how things are hard for us and asking for forgiveness yeah. and also asking for what we need um, from our family in a way that is calm and loving and respectful by modeling um, emotional intelligence, they will then become more emotionally intelligent as well. Yeah, yeah. for sure. It's the closer we get to the preteen years, I'm starting to see that like, this is this is more parenting now for me than it is when they're little, you know, and it's more of like behavioral stuff. Like now it's definitely like starting to get into motivations and, and the mm. things that they're hearing from other people and all of that kind of stuff. You're trying to filter all of that. It's really good. And it, this helps with marriage too, right? Because um, yes. parenting and marriage kind of go hand in hand. So, and we, yeah, and we parent definitely. differently as a married couple, like the two, like, how do we get on the same page when our Enneagram numbers are so different? So So true. For sure. Um, Okay. So we're trying to make each other our best. We're trying to make ourselves our best or not make our, I mean, we can't make ourselves, but the point of this is try to get to our healthiest self. And as a married couple, we're also, the goal is to help the other person become their best self. Like that's like the point of marriage, right? Is ironing, sharpening iron and sanctification and, and both looking more like Jesus so that our marriage is a reflection of Jesus. Right. So what are some tools using the Instagram that we can do? Yeah. The first and foremost thing, which is the hardest thing is most important that what Christ is wanting from each of us is that we surrender and we depend on him. 
He is not looking for us to pull ourselves up by our bootstrap, to check things off the list, to become perfect, to become good, to become helpful, protective, all the things that we think our personality is telling us that we should do. It's literally, he wants us to surrender and depend on the finished work he did on our behalf. Because it's only that that will actually change us. When we are at that position and we know who we are in Christ, that all that we needed has been accomplished and given to us, put on us, then we're able to trust him, believe in him, and start to walk by faith in the ways that our healthiest personality style would look like. So for instance, like me as a type nine, one of the hardest things for nine to do is to know their passions and actually move forward in them. And so that's why we actually do your Enneagram coach, because it kind of forces me on a daily basis to wake up to myself and to do my calling. Um, It's not like I can just get around it. Um, (laughs) I can't like, like, no, don't get me wrong. That sloth, which is the nine's core weakness, the internal not knowing of oneself. Trust me, that's always crouching at the door. But I'm constantly needing to push forward by faith. And so by asserting myself in my business and bringing up my passions and desires, it's so beautiful and so good. And I love it, but it is the most exhausting thing to do. It is the hardest thing to do. Now, for you, Rebecca, as a three, so that's me kind of moving towards the three qualities having confidence, accomplishments, all those things. That's like you breathing air. Like you're like, how is this hard? You know, like, how is that? How is that climbing Mount Everest? You know, and that's what's so beautiful about the Enneagram is what's easy for you, me moving in a healthy direction is super hard for me. But what's easy for me is super hard for you. So like, one of the highest qualities of a three is actually moving to the highest qualities of a nine. And that's learning to be versus do. So being a human being versus a human doing. And you might be like, how do you do that? And I'm like, yeah, just chill and relax and just be like, I don't understand. Like, how is this so hard? Right. <laughs> and so any of us can act arrogant and pompous and like, I got all my stuff together. Um, and all of us can feel horrible about ourselves if we're comparing each other to one another's numbers and where we are in our levels of alignment. But we have to just surrender and depend that if God wanted me at a different place in my levels of health, he would have me there right now. I need to just surrender and depend on him and ask him to move me to um, in a way that is glorifying to him and beneficial to others that will also make me feel good. But here's the thing. Usually our best seasons are our hardest seasons. And so people are looking for this like life hack where they're going to be like soaring and on a mountaintop experience. The Enneagram, though it offers so much growth, is so hard. This is not an easy path, but it's a good path. It's a rewarding path. It's um, a transformative path. And so that is kind of what we need to do is just continue to surrender, depend on him, admit where we have false thinking and false motives and ask him to bring in the correct ones and then step by faith and work with the Holy Spirit, walk with him in those ways. So for me, okay, I'm going to get up. I'm going to assert myself. I'm going to get things done. Even though I'd love to lay in bed longer, I'd love to do all the things that I would love to do because I know now that that doesn't bring me real life. Mm -hmm. And so I walk by faith in the direction that is so hard, but so good. So that is a rundown on how to transform. Why do you think it's so hard to move past our just like default average or unhealthy settings? 
if we know we have this information and we're like, yeah, I should do these things. Like, why is it so hard to actually do it? Yeah. I mean, I honestly, I just think it's the fall. Yeah. I mean, it's so hardwired, hard grained with a fall. Um, the core weakness, like we talked about, in, though we didn't go over it here, is that's why I call it the core weakness. Other places call it the passion of the deadly sin, but I see it as the thorn in our side. Mm-hmm. The thing that is like Paul was begging mm-hmm. to have this thorn removed, but God knew why we needed it. We needed it because we need Him. And it is, you know, when you have a thorn or a piece of glass in your, your finger or your foot, like it reminds you it's small, mm-hmm. but it, it's small and it is in size, but it's huge and the effects it has on us. Right. And it reminds us, I need to get this thing out. I need to get this. Thing. And what our core weakness is showing us, I need Jesus. I need Jesus. I need Jesus because I am weak. He is strong and his grace is sufficient for me. And so honestly, I think it is God's grace that we have a core weakness mm-hmm. to point us back to Christ each and every day. Yeah. yeah. I, I think if it, if it was a one and done, then our human right. nature would be, well, like, I'm sweet, done, done it. We've arrived. Yeah. Yay. Yeah. Yeah, check the check. Yeah, yeah. I don't need you yeah. anymore, God. Yeah. Um, yeah. It, it's, it's definitely, I, I think about what Paul says in another place similar. I do the things that I don't want to do and I don't yes. do the things that I do want to do. I feel like that's like a, like my daily mantra. Yeah. And like what's inter- what's great about the Enneagram though is, is now I catch myself. So the core weakness of a three is deceit, which I hate. Like, like I hate that. Okay, so deceit is your core weakness. I know everybody just likes it. Envy, like, <laughs> so, so I, but I, I will catch myself. I'll be in a room full of people and I'll be talking, you know, and, and emoting because of a three and I'm an extroverted three at that. And so, and then I'll catch myself. I'll be like, why am I saying this? It's mm-hmm. not really true, or this isn't really me. And I'll catch myself and I'll back off. But mm-hmm. when I was younger and wasn't self-aware, I would come home from a party or from a meeting at work or whatever, and I'd get into bed and I'd be like, I cannot believe I said all of that stuff. Mm-hmm. You know? <laughs> and then you're like, oh my gosh, how am I going to get myself out of this? Like, I yeah. don't, and yeah. it wasn't anything like major lying, but like, just like, um, embellishing. Pres- embellishing or in um, wearing these masks to be to I'm very I am very good at being a chameleon. Um, yeah. it, I catch myself more now than I used to, and so that's what's great about the enneagram to me is I have words around this stuff, and it's now I have another record playing in my brain with with the one with the weakness playing. I have the other side playing. Oh, that. That, that's why I do that. And, oh, I'm catching myself doing that. I need to back up and rewind and, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. and so I think that's what's um, really good about it because it causes us to be able to catch ourselves. Yeah. Say, I'm well, I, think, this. yeah. I, I think your um, listeners will really like the, um, our book and the very back of the book is our resource section and it's all color coded to the types. But, you know, the reason why I was bringing that up is because when you look at the core motivations of the three, so the core weakness of deceit, I think what you'll find is like when you hear the word deceit, you're like, oh, that means that we're liars. But if you look at my definition, it helps to clarify what that word actually means. So it's that threes are deceiving themselves into believing that they are only the image they present to others and that embellishing the truth by putting on a polished, polished persona for everyone, including themselves to see and admire. So it's not so much that the threes are, (laughs) well, yeah, but there's a difference between, and, and obviously the more unhealthy a three gets, the more they actually can be deceitful. Yes. 
But at the core of the, the word deceit, it's that you believe you're only the image you present to others. You're deceiving yourself first, mm-hmm. yeah. which then trickles down. Yeah. And that's where the truth of the gospel comes in. It's like, oh, wait, I'm, I'm not my persona. I am, my identity is Christ. And that changes everything. Yeah. I think about you, you listen to all of them, like you said, envy for yours. And then one of them is lust. And when you initially look at those, you're like, like, well, I don't, I'm not really lustful. Is that eights? Is that seven or is that eights? Is yeah. it eights? That's lust. Eight. Yeah. Um, and, and like, cause, cause there's always a sexual connotation with lust, but there's like, right. so Which, that's not what it's referring to, but yeah, exactly. Yeah. And same thing with envy, like, you know, Oh, I hate it. Yeah. It's like so embarrassing to think about it. Cause it's <laughs> true. It's so true. Like, yeah. Yeah. But I, I think when you hear envy, you think like I'm coveting your car or your like, whatever, but it's really like, how do they all, well, know? here's what, Here's what envy is in our book. It's a feeling that you're tragically flawed. Something foundational is missing in you and others possess qualities you lack. Yep. That's why I have to be really careful on social media, honestly, because I feel like as a four, social media can really affect me in ways that it, I mean, it affects everybody negatively, I think, but like, I feel (laughs) like for me particularly, it's really difficult. Yeah. I think it's, it's really, really good for a four to be very mindful of how, whether it's, it's social media or anything, how yeah. different things affect that envy. So for me, yeah. as a type nine, mine's sloth, and this is an inner not knowing. Uh-huh. Well, I mean, if I procrastinate and push things off, or people give me the ability to just like go sit in on the beach, or go, and, and none of those things are bad or wrong, but if I just continually check out of life, it's not going to be helpful. Now, for others, the, the thing about sloth is it can look so passive and not a big deal, but it actually can really devastate and ruin relationships because you're not showing up to life at all. Mm-hmm. It's almost like, you know, a ghost, like, hello, like do something. <laughs> um, and, and so each of us, our core weaknesses, they just, they, all of this stuff feels so real. And that's what one thing I want people to realize is, if those that aren't really sure if they want to be a part of the Enneagram or any kind of personality system, they don't want to be put in a box. Don Riso said, you're not, and I think Ian Cron quoted him. Um, it's not that we're putting you in a box. You're already in a box. Yeah. We're trying to get you out of the box mm-hmm. you're already in. And what we mean by that from a, a Christian perspective is we don't want the false messages of the personality hardwiring that have been tainted by the fall to rule you. Mm -hmm. We want the Holy Spirit to free you from these false messages so that you'll live in the fullness of who you already are in Christ. Mm -hmm. And that's what's so important. So that's why we can catch these false messages. So when you're feeling envy and you're feeling deceit and I'm feeling sloth, then we can, we can rise above that, not within our own strength and power, but because he will come in and through us. Right. And so we can just recognize, Oh, I'm struggling with this. And so we don't have to shame ourselves. Mm -hmm. We can ask for his assistance to again, come in line with him. Yeah. That reminds me towards the beginning, you had mentioned that, you know, we all pull from the different numbers at times. And like, as you're talking about sloth and deceit, I'm like, well, I do both of those things sometimes. Mm-hmm. Like, um, can you just expound on that a little bit more in case someone's listening and they're not super familiar and they're struggling to figure out what number they are. And they're like, well, these all make sense yes. to me. Yeah. So um, that's a great question. Um, so just like a GPS has different features of, hey, there's road construction or there's traffic or there's uh, accident and all these different features that help you to navigate. Um, The Enneagram does too. The Enneagram has different ways to show you your levels of alignment, your levels of health. Um, 
and how you're using your personality structure. So there's things called the wings. These are the two numbers on either side of your main type. And it's not across your type. It's not, it's just the two numbers on either side of you. Um, And we use those as, as if they're salt and pepper seasoning our personality. We don't become them. Our core motivations stay true to our main type. But we use attributes, whether healthy, average, or unhealthy, of our wings. Mm-hmm. Um, some people use one more than the other. So I'm a nine, and I use a lot of both my wings, actually. But I'll tend to use the eight wing more, which is kind of interesting because the nine wants peace and harmony and doesn't like conflict. And the eight enjoys conflict somewhat. Like, they yeah. call it confrontational intimacy. Mm-hmm. And so internally, it's a very weird <laughs> so <true>. mixture. <laughs> And so there's this weird mixture happening inside me. So there's, there's this part of me that wants this peace and harmony and to love, but then there's also this strength and tenacity and to push through. And so it, it makes more sense now. Like, Oh, that's why a nine, when you read just a nine, it's like, well, that fits, but not completely. And then I start reading how my wings affect me. And I'm like, Mm -hmm. Oh, that makes more sense. But then there's two numbers that are, type or number is connected to and that shows the paths we travel when we're under stress and growth and we can go to the healthy all the way down to the unhealthy of both these types um but there are certain indications of stress and growth that are specific and so that also helps me go as i'm connected as a nine to six and three so it's like oh so when i'm in traffic and i'm trying to get to the airport and i'm late i act in this specific way that looks very six like um, I'm worrying thinking of all worst case scenarios, but it's in a way that's just, it's not, no one enjoys. Let's just say that because I'm doing it from an unhealthy perspective. Yeah, yeah. Um, whereas where I'm connected to three, when I'm being more confident and I know that my presence matters and I can assert myself, then I'm having more confidence, not arrogancy, but confidence in how God created me. And I move forward in a very healthy way. And it's like, oh, look, there's some of that three there. So there's all these different layers to the Enneagram, which makes it very complex and beautiful because we're complex and beautiful. Um, But it takes a lot of studying and understanding to see how that all plays out. But that being said, yes, you're probably going to hear parts of yourself in a lot of different numbers. What we're trying to find is your main type, which holds your core motivations, why you do what you do. And that's why we don't type other people. Yes. Yes. Because <laughs> we can do the same. Yeah. Yes. We can do the same outward behaviors. Right. Everyone can have a perfectly clean home. And I talk about this a lot, but everyone's going to want a clean home for a different reason. Yes. And so, you know, people might think, oh, well, that type doesn't want a clean home. No, they actually might. I mean, yeah, some types don't care. But um, but if they do, let's say all of them, you know, did care they're going to want it for a different reason. And so again, you cannot judge a book by its cover. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. The clean home thing. Like I definitely love a clean home, but it's only because I know if somebody walks into my house, I want them to see that I have a clean home. Yep. So I'll I'll run through because everyone's probably going like, well, what is it? Okay. So I'll do it real quick. So type ones want a clean home because that's the right thing to do. Yes. Twos because they want it to be hospitable and a big warm hug. Threes because it's all about image. You know, they want people to admire them. Fours, they want people to see their aesthetics, their design, um, their <laughs> their emotions um, out displaying for everyone. And yeah. she's like, Rebecca's laughing because she knows it's true. Five, they might want a clean home because they want their resources and information 
and um, to be easily accessible, but they also want their needs minimized. Uh, sixes will want to clean home either, be, well, probably a combination, being loyal, faithful, dutiful, and responsible, but also they don't want people to get harmed or sick or yeah. um, wounded by tripping over something. The sevens will want to clean home because they don't want their home to keep them from the next fun thing. Um, eights will want to clean home because they don't want their home to control them. They're going to control it. And nines want to clean home because I don't want to think about it. I just want peace and harmony. I just want to be able to sit back and relax and there's nothing that I have to do. So, um, so again, it can be the exact same yeah. behavior, but very different reasons why. It's yeah. really interesting when Chris and I have a party because he is the one running around and I'm like, I don't clean up like deep clean when little kids come over. Cause our kid, we have uh, almost five year old twins and I'm like, I'm not going to clean up just for them all to destroy our house again, but I will go around and rearrange bookshelves and knickknacks until they're perfect. And he's like, what are you doing? Like, and he's over there like swiffering. I'm like, what are you doing? And it's just so funny because it's like, we have these totally different priorities and we don't understand each other. And it's, yeah. Going back yeah. to marriage, which is the whole point right. of this is, is the, the knowing that. And when you're talking about um, the control, the, the, the eight's not wanting the environment to control them. Uh, it's, it's so true. And then with me, like I really, so we, we had friends over this weekend and I literally, every time people are going to come over to the house outside of you, cause you're in my house all the time, but most of the time, but even a little bit with you, when you come over for us to do a recording, I'm immediately, what are people going to think when they walk in the door? Like, mm-hmm. immediately. so we're having friends over and I mean, we're having a barbecue with a bunch of kids. Like, why do I care? But, um, I, and then, so I was really not kind to my family before the, our friends came over because I'm like in a fury to make everything look perfect because yes. I have to promote an image of who I am. And, but I right. caught myself. I did. I caught myself. Yeah. I felt myself yeah. doing it. I yeah. felt myself. And then I'm like, these people don't care what my house looks like, <laughs> you know, and, yeah. and I'm shoving things in drawers because it doesn't matter because they're not going to open the drawer. Right. So, but as long as right. the outside, everything looks all put together, then it doesn't matter. Oh, I snoop in, I open drawers. Yeah. I'm a snoop. Is that oh, funny? now you've ruined it for her. Yeah, now I'm going to put my drawers in too. Ah. <laughs> That's I hilarious. The, I think about the episode in Friends with Monica and Chandler finally sees that there's a door to a closet because she's always like perfectly pristine and clean. Oh, funny. And then he finally gets into the closet and opens it and it's like a disaster in the closet. He goes, you're messy. That's what I'm just That's valuing hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just looking for authenticity. Yeah. The house is too yeah. perfect. I'm going to open the door and be like, I knew it. <laughs> that's awesome love it that's great okay well we could talk forever and ever and ever and ever obviously about this so what so the book launches october 1st what yes. is i'm your, so excited yeah. <laughs> what is your and jeff's prayer for the book yes well i mean honestly it's just that people first and foremost will come to know jesus more and that they will know that they're his beloved and that will then be the transformative power in everything they do. So even if they use the Enneagram and don't use the Enneagram, that is our first and foremost goal. Um, and then to use the Enneagram correctly and theologically um, right so that it not only helps them, but it helps others instead of telling people what they should do, inviting them to how God has created them in a beautiful way to be more like Christ. Um, so, and we just want marriages, uh, relationships to be healed and, you know, just to see our whole community, our, our country, our world to, um, uh, flourish, you know, in ways that we really just don't get to see because now we're understanding each other. We're having compassion. We're having empathy, forgiveness, and, you know, love. So that's what we're hoping. Are you guys still traveling around and doing your Becoming Us 
um, live events. Yeah, live events. we are. Yeah. We're we're going to be in Bradenton, Florida, on October fifth. Um, I know that we have one in uh, February. I think it's late February in Dallas and maybe a couple other places in Texas. And then we're going to be booking several um, actually here coming up soon. So Atlanta? we will be doing. They've already done Atlanta. Oh, you did. Atlanta. We already did Atlanta. Oh, yeah. Yes, we missed it. We were out of town, but a friend of mine sent it to me, and they're like, "We should do this as a double day." And I'm like, "Oh, we already oh. have plans." So I can't yeah. remember. I can't remember what we were on vacation. I think we were on vacation or something because it was in yeah. the summer, and um, and I was bummed. But we will link because we have listeners all over the country, so we yeah. will make sure yeah. that we. Um, send them to your um, Enneagram coach. We'll send them the link because the book comes out October 1st. They can mm-hmm. pre-order now on Amazon yep. and all the places you buy books. Um, they can follow you on Instagram. We'll put that link because she does um, yep. put really helpful. Like you don't, you, yep. I mean, the book is going to be more detailed, but she does put very helpful posts up very regularly. And I feel like it's good yeah. because I, I feel like it's a reference book kind of. Her Instagram. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. Well, your, your Instagram, but also the, the book. book. Yeah. Seems yeah, like a good, and I really mm-hmm. value books like that. Cause I don't always want like a narratives are good, but for this sort of thing, I appreciate that it's sort of like, there's an index and there's like different. So yes. I, I appreciate that. I think it's going to be yeah. um, on my reference shelf, you know, of the books yes. that you like keep pulling out every yeah. so often. Yeah, Absolutely. It's not, like, not that you can't buy it on Kindle cause you can, and you can, you know, all of those things, but I have books that I buy on Kindle and then I have books that I need to have on my shelf, like yep. you said, so that you can yeah. flip through it. And so this is definitely one of those. So yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Well, great. Anything yeah. else? Beth? And then, well, and two other things. Um, one, uh, we have a marriage course that we've developed called Becoming Us, but it's for all 45 couple combinations. They're uniquely made each for each couple type. And it's different from the book because we go much deeper and we go into what's called the dance for those two types. And I'm going to be very specific on your specific dance in what it looks like when you're misaligned, but also what it looks like when you're aligned to the truth of the gospel. So it's going to give you a lot of helpful resources and tools that are absolutely specific to your couple type. So if you go to becomingus.com, you can find information on that course. And then the last thing, which is really fun, um, we will come out out with nine more books. They're gift book journals in December, one for each type. And so they're a way for each type to go deep into their own personality. That that's sounds good. like an amazing Christmas gift. Yeah, that's why I, I know. Yeah, like give it to <laughs> all your friends. <laughs> <laughs> that's really good. Yeah. Okay. That's well, awesome. Beth, thank you so much. I know you're probably yeah. really busy with the launch coming up, so we really appreciate you yes. taking the time to be on our podcast. And yeah, listeners, go yeah, to all the links in the show notes and find all the stuff. Yeah. Thank you so much, Beth. We really appreciate Thanks, it. Thanks, guys. Bye. Bye. So till next week, we are on Instagram at Woven and Him. We are on Facebook and Patreon forward slash Woven and Him. You can also email us fullywoven at gmail.com. And I'm Rebecca Pete, like the coffee brand. And you can find me at RebeccaPete.com where you can also find all my social handles. Yep. And uh, I don't want to be found. So just find me on the Facebook for our uh, podcast and the Instagram, but not my personal. Bye. Bye.